This episode of the Astro Powder Podcast is brought to you by Gama. Are you looking for a solution to coat your most difficult products with no touch-up? Then Gama's dynamic contouring equipment is the right solution for you. Unlike robotic coating, dynamic contouring offers greater flexibility without all the programming hassle, while correctly positioning each powder gun to automatically coat your parts. For more information, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. Automate it. Position it. Detect it. Code it. Complete it with Gamma. Hello, all you powder coating fans, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. Thanks so much for taking time to join us. We really appreciate your support. I'm your host, Joe Powder, a.k.a. Kevin Biller, and with me is my esteemed colleague, sidekick, Nathan. He's got raw materials, and he knows how to use them. He's our formulator dude. Yeah, I'm Nathan S. Powder Esquire. We're broadcasting from the PCR Group Studios in Columbus, Ohio. So, you know, the purpose of the Ask Joe Powder podcast is to bring news and technical know-how to the global powder coating community. Let's get it rolling. But before we do, shout out. I'd like to give a shout out to our good friend, Rich Zarnicki of Micropowders. Rich was just recently uh, appointed vice president of Micropowders. Um, He had previously been there. Director of Business and Technology Development. Um, he's been he's been with Micropowder since uh, 2011. In his new role, Rich will continue to lead the technology and business development functions of the company. In addition, he'll be working closely with sales, marketing, operations, finance, and customer service to improve the alignment of their operations and communications and helping to develop strategic initiatives and stuff like that. Um, We've known Rich for a long time, and he's got an uncanny mix of fine technical expertise, business acumen, and people skills. Plus, he's just a nice guy. So, Rich, congratulations. Well-earned, and we look forward to great things uh, in the future. Okay. Next, let's get some news in our Guess What segment. Guess what? All right, it's a bit of a slow news day, I guess. There's been a whole series of, you know, the companies were coming out with their their fourth quarter and their full 2020 year results. Um, just hit on a couple of those that, came out in the last week or two. Axo Nobel is reporting 15% return on sales for full year 2020 and uh, over 20% return on an investment for full year 2020. The quarter four specifically, they had growth in volumes of 
and that's their second consecutive quarter of volume growth. And in the fourth quarter, they also acquired Titan Paints in Spain and new nautical coatings. <laughs> Seems like everybody's buying paint companies today. There's a lot of... I'm not even going to get into the mergers and acquisitions because there's just a whole bunch of raw material companies especially that are just gobbling up their competitors, their, you know, smaller companies, everything yeah. else. Yeah. Seems like even if people aren't for sale, they're for sale. Right. <laughs> hey, Exalta, they also came out with their fourth quarter and full year 2020 results. Their quarter four... 2020 net sales 4.6% higher than quarter three of 2020. But overall, their their fourth quarter net sales year over year was less than 2019. Yeah, you know, one thing people are seeing, Nate, is that <laughs> I've seen this more than once. It's refinish paint sales have gone way down. And I guess people aren't driving their cars, so they're not running into each other. And they're... They're not having to sell paint. Yeah, it's interesting. It looks like they're, you know, there's a increase in net industrial paint sales and a decrease in refinish. So they end up with a kind of a slight net loss there. Yeah. 3.5%. No surprise there. All right. And Asian paints, it's interesting. They're... Consolidated revenues for the quarter increased by twenty five percent. You know, you know, it's interesting, Nate. I'm looking at these numbers, and you got you know three big paint companies, world, you know, global paint companies. They all begin with A, and it's interesting because you know the ones that are more in the Western world, like Axo Nobel and, and Exalta, you know, not really good years. And then you see Asian Paints. Obviously, uh, they're out of um, out of India. Um, <laughs> their their fourth quarter increased by twenty five percent. I think that's. Uh, I guess we see where where all the hot growth is. Yeah, there's another article I was just reading in Coatings World about the Chinese powder coating market specifically, and they're seeing growth year after year after year. A lot of it, you know, like we've seen with the environmental regulations, where they can say this is a no VOC solution. This is something we can put in but what i thought was really interesting was um they're talking about automotive where the huge majority of automotive powder coatings especially in asia is clear coats for wheels but they're starting to um find more markets you know they're starting to put it on more parts on the car and they're even talking about doing a top coat uh clear coat on bodies um in china which you know that's really exciting for powder coatings i think yeah and you know you, that makes you think back to when bmw was putting the clear top coat on on the clear powder top coat on their cars in uh their their plants in germany uh they they stopped doing that around 2014 and that was the last place where they're putting clear powder top coats on cars well it was the first place too um but what i've been hearing you know kind of rumblings from the industry the automotive industry for sure is looking now towards powder for the new technology type vehicles 
specifically the uh, EV um, market. And uh, they're going to be taking a close look at powder, so we'll see what happens. Absolutely. So is anything getting you mad this week, Joe? Funny you should ask. I'll tell you what gets me mad. What gets me mad? It's a supply chain situation. And, you know, as powder coating businesses are continuing to rebound from the economic quagmire that was experienced in 2020 due to the the pandemic and and pretty much the pandemic, um, now the industry is faced with an unexpected foe uh, that's just the supply chain is is just kind of topsy-turvy right now. And let me break it down for you. Number one, COVID interrupted logistics on many levels. So, you know, warehouse staffing was decimated and continues to be decimated by individuals who have fallen ill by the virus and also the ripples caused by people who quarantine because they were exposed to people who had COVID. So there's number one. Um, The other thing, you know, just factory output has been um, decreased due to reduced due to reduced staff for the same reasons. Um, It's crazy. Even, you know, our lab has experienced delays in, in getting just samples of some of the materials because, you know, companies are not making them because of delays. So I can't imagine what it's doing to regular full, full-fledged production operations. The other thing that uh, I think was kind of unforeseen was um, some of the raw materials are in short supply. Let's talk about one of them, TGIC, and I think we mentioned this in a previous broadcast, but it's in tight supply. That's a cross-linker for polyesters, um, mainly in North America. Um, the supply is tight because two factories have been um, idled in China that produce TGIC. Um, the Chinese government had mentioned that uh, it's due to environmental issues. Um, and, and the other thing I can say is the majority of TGIC is supplied from China. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting because of the TGIC shortage, a lot of companies are starting to introduce hydroxyalkidam and HAA-type polyesters as a replacement, which in turn is causing a tight supply for that material, also made in China. The supply of polyester resin has been impacted as well. Um, Again, two plants that make one of the monomers, neopentoglycol, they've been shuttered at least temporarily. One of them's in South Korea due to a fire. Another one is just a plant in Singapore. We mentioned that in the past. Um, the other thing is epoxy resin prices are reported to have risen significantly since the end of 2020, in some cases as much as 60%. Crazy, yes. crazy, crazy. Um, and then uh, the price of titanium dioxide is has always been volatile, but it's more volatile now because of short supply. Um, so, you know, ripples, ripples, ripples. Um, and the last thing I've heard, this came into my my um, emails this morning. Um, some additives companies have called for, have, have called a force majeure on their materials, which means 
producers are scrambling to get materials. So my powder coating friends, uh, hold on to your seats. We're in for an interesting ride in 2021. All right. Well, it's time for the Q&A portion of our podcast. Do you have a question? Ask Joe Powder. Well, you can ask him. Ask Joe Powder. He has the answer. That will answer. Powder coating. It's the Ask Joe Powder podcast. All right, we got two questions that are kind of similar, kind of related. So I'll just um, I'll just read both of those, and then we'll see what old Joe Powder has to say about TGIC. First one comes from Owen Luke in the Wollongong area in Australia. He says, hi, Joe. I have a product that's used in the garden and composting space. Some of my customers are extremely finicky. So I'm trying to understand if there are any residual TGIC issues. Is TGIC still actively toxic once the polyester powder has cured? Is there residual TGIC in the cured coating? Is residual TGIC capable of migration to the surface and into another substance the powder coat is in contact with, like soil or compost? We're also asking the same of our powder coating supplier, but I want to ask an independent person like you due to your position in the powder coating industry. And then our second question, this one is from Vernon Plumley in San Dimas, California. Excellent. It says, greetings to you, Joe. I've been reading you for some time and I thought I'd bounce a Prop 65 question off of you. Do you know if the need for Prop 65 warning labels in California is required after the powder paint cures? The cured mixture is now hard as a rock. Do we need labels now that the powder is cured? Okay, guys. Well, hey, thanks for your questions. And they're they're related. I mean, they're similar, but there's some, you know, just some nuances that are different in them. So I'm going to start with uh, with Luke's question about the uh, whether or not TGIC can leach into into the soil, essentially, and then, you know, cause cause problems. And I think it's a really good question for people that are dealing with, you know, gardening tools or gardening implements. Um, so let's take this back a little bit. TGIC, you know, a common uh, curing agent for, for powder coatings, for polyesters, has been meticulously studied and analyzed since the late 1980s. The main concerns had to do with handling the pure substance or the neat material, and then also you know, the, the, the formulated powder coating product as well. Um, the studies showed, and these studies were exhaustive, um, that TGIC is a potential mutagen in laboratory animals. So this is reason enough to require hazard labeling on both the raw material and the products containing it. Now, your question, whether there's residual TGIC after the coating has been cured, is it's a very good question. Studies commissioned by one of the raw material manufacturers of TGIC, this, this company's in Japan, suggests that if there is any residual TGIC, the levels are, quote-unquote, undetectable. So the possibility of TGIC leaching out of a cured film is extremely remote. Well, I guess the you know the question though isn't as much is there TGIC leaching out, but when it comes to 
labeling and regulations and things like that, um, you know, do you think that you still need to label it as containing TGIC? Excellent point, Nate. And and I'll get to that in a second. I want to talk about the leaching part first. And and here's, here's you know, the, the issue with the leaching, um, you know, in, in Australia, he's asking about leaching. So my personal opinion, remember, this is my personal opinion, there is no hazard of leaching if you are convinced that the coating was fully cured. Now, proving that the coating is fully cured is another question because, for instance, if the coating is incompletely cured, if it's you know grossly undercured, yes, the potential for leaching is absolutely a, a, a possibility. So my advice to your friends with the gardening implements uh, and the people producing them um, is to coat your garden composting items with a non-TGIC containing powder coating. So then you've got no question that you're not going to have a problem. Now, the, the second question that, that you asked, uh, Nate, was from a gentleman in California, and it has specific uh, it's specifically related to whether or not you need a special label on items that have been coated with a TGIC containing powder coating, specifically the Proposition 65 regulations that are, are very common and very you know up front and center in California. So here, here's here's my take on that. Powder coatings commonly not only contain TGIC, but they also contain titanium dioxide, carbon black pigment. There's a catalyst, 2-methylidminazole. These are all items that are on Proposition 65 and need labels on them if they're, if they're available. Now, the, the key here is the health hazards are associated with respirable particles and not a cured hardened coating. So um, the only hazard that could be considered is if these products were in something that you could inhale and get into your lungs. So consequently, there's not a need for a Prop 65 hazard label on items that have been coated and cured with powder coatings. Hope that helps. As regards, Joe. Okay, it's time for a word from our sponsors. GEMA's Optistar All-in-One Control Unit leads the industry with a design fusing electrostatics and power feed in one compact device. By combining the powder injector and control unit functionality into one device, you get the highest coating efficiency, fastest response times of powder output, and excellent cleaning performance. For more information, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877 877- Four three seven six seven seven one, and be sure to mention Ask Joe sent me. Configure it, feed it, optimize it, integrate it, complete it with Gamma. Powder Coating Research Group is a proud sponsor of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. PCR is the only independent laboratory dedicated to powder coating technology. We do everything from raw material evaluation, formulating the next generation of coatings 
new product development, testing, troubleshooting, training, and consulting. To find out more, visit our website at powdercoatingresearch.com or you can email Kevin Biller at kevinbiller at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening to the Asco Powder Podcast. All right, and our last question comes from Caleb Cottrell in Chillicothe, Ohio. He says, Joe, I work for a powder coating facility, and we're trying to find research or any publications describing the difference between e-coating and underbody powder, such as, you know, Interpond A100 or powder like that. Essentially, is underbody powder coating a viable alternative to e-coat? Any help you can provide would be greatly appreciated. Hey, Caleb, um, this is a really good question. Um, and I checked out your guys' website. Looks like you guys do really good work. I'm impressed. And as for my answer, you know, is, you know, what's better, e-coat or powder as an underbody coating? Let's just say it's it's complicated. Hmm. So let me break it down for you. E-coat is a great coating that is applied by immersion in an aqueous bath of electrophoretic paint. This is a, you know, immersion dip type coating process, but the paint gets charged cathodically, which then it seeks a ground, which in this process is the part that's going to be coated. So the cathodically charged paint covers virtually every surface of the grounded part. Uh, For the most part, it gets into every nook and cranny, like everywhere, inside, outside, around, in holes, edges, it may be very difficult to get into very narrow tubing, but I think that's, you know, that's kind of impractical to think that it could. One thing that's characteristic of e-coat, though, is um, there really is a limit to how thick it can be applied. Say applied, it's it's being, you know, deposited, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, the e-coat's very evenly deposited on, on the surface, but it tops out about, 1.2 mils or about 30 microns of thickness gives you pretty good corrosion resistance but keep in mind it's only 30 microns it's not any thicker than that so if you're looking at like salt spray results or something you know it's going to give you maybe 750 to 1000 hours salt spray uh resistance so pretty good overall but it's a thin film um so let's talk about the powder coating part of this uh this question. And I think you guys know powder coating fairly well. So, you know, forgive me for telling you stuff you may already know. Um, Powder coatings can be applied rather thick, easily depositing three to six mils, which would be, I don't know, 75 to 150 microns in one pass. And because of this, powder coatings can provide incredible corrosion and chip resistance. You know, epoxy-based powder coatings over really clean, well-pre-treated metal can give you 3,000, maybe 4,000 hours of salt spray resistance. Um, The other thing is, like I mentioned, thick powder coating films are very chip and abrasion resistance, which you're talking about an underbody coating, um, very, very, very important. So it's going to be, give you better protection than a thin coat of E-coat. The one caveat that I can say about powder coatings, you don't get 100% 
coverage as easily as you would with electric out. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to get into tight Faraday cages, um, sharp edges, whatever. Um, it's not going to give you the 100% coating deposition as E-coat would. You know, maybe 95, 98, 99%. Um, it, it's, it's hard to say. So those lightly covered areas are potential sites for corrosive attack. Okay. So which is best? And like a many a teenager laments, it depends. If your parts are relatively simple in geometry, powder over good pretreatment is by far the best. If your parts have any kind of intricate configuration, E-Coat provides nearly if not complete coverage. So my vote for the best system is a combination of E-Coat followed by powder coatings. That's what most OEM automotive companies do. That being said, not going to be easy coming up with the, the funds to buy an E-Coat line unless you have one already. I uh, hope this helps. By the way, I visit your town, Chillicothe, um, fairly regularly, um, well, before COVID hit. Uh, I have a buddy who spends a lot of time in the, the prison there. So thanks for your question. Let me know if you need anything else from us. Um, best regards, Joe. Okay. Before we wrap up, let's fill you in on some upcoming events. Hey, friends, where are we going? To an upcoming event. I already, I already did a hilarious joke about you spending time in the prison. So, <clears throat> Okay. Uh... Seems to be a recurring theme. <laughs> well, because there's, you know, not so many uh, events coming up, you know, in-person events right now. We're going to include a couple of the online ones here as well. All right, March 2nd, 2021, there's a course from... European coatings. It's called Formulating with Intelligence, Machine Learning in the Coatings Laboratory. And it's about how artificial intelligence and machine learning applications are making broad and deep impacts in diverse fields and industries around the world. You can find more about that by going to their website, www.european-coatings.com and look for events. Bick Gardner is having a web seminar they're calling it it's called measurement of effect colors this is interesting because uh traditional spectrophotometers or photospectrometers um are really good at reading and comparing solid colors but not so much with metallic colors so bit gardner um they're going to talk about how to evaluate lightness travel of metallic colors what's needed to determine the color flop of pearlescence and how different lighting conditions can be simulated in a color instrument. That's impressive. You know, Bick Gardner's always been a leader in, in some of these things. So that's, that's impressive. That's one you won't want to miss. Yeah. And you can find them at byk-instruments.com and look for the web seminar measurement of effect colors. As far as in-person events go, uh, the Powder Coating Week, that's Powder Coating Institute's series of uh, powder coating events that's been moved to July. The Paint and Coatings show in Barcelona, Spain is scheduled for the 1st and 2nd of June 2021. 
the Eastern Coding Show in, Atla- in Atlantic City, New Jersey, is now going to be in November, the 17th through 19th. The European Coding Show in Nuremberg, Germany, that's September 14th through 16th. And then the Powder Coding Summit right here in Columbus, Ohio, that's the 22nd and 23rd of September. Yeah, you know, there's another one, Nate, which, um, you know, we should mention. Um, the, there's a Powder Coding Formulators Short Course. This is uh, hopefully a live event. It's going to be held uh, right here in our laboratory in Columbus, Ohio, but it's the PC Kitchen Introductory Formulators Short Course, and it's going to be held uh, tentatively. We, we really hope we can pull this one off. Um June 22nd and 23rd in person. How do people find out more about the kitchen? I you know I would I would say contact me directly at kevinbiller at yahoo.com and I can point you in the right direction cuz I can give you some details. Alrighty. Okay, well you can catch the Ask Joe Powder print version of our question and answers in Powder Coat Tough Magazine uh, and also Polymer's Paint and Color Journal, which comes out of the UK. Um, You can also catch it on their respective websites, of course, and you can catch it on PCI Magazine, which is Paint and Coatings Industry Magazine, on their website under their Finishing Flash tab. You can find us online at askjoepowder.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on any of the normal platforms where you get your podcasts, the Googles and the Apples and the Spotify's. Uh, if you'd like to submit a question for Joe to answer, the email address is askjoepowder at yahoo.com. Or you can call in. We have a phone number. It's country code 1-478-2-ASK-JOE. That's 1-478-227-5563. This has been a production of the Powder Coating Research Group. Our music, editing, and sound stuff is all by Nick Page. Party on, dudes. And keep your powder dry. Cool. It's a wrap. Yeah, you can find episode 22 on our Patreon. Our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, for subscription. Let's see how that one goes. Thank you for listening to the Astro Powder Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Gamma. Synchronized monitoring and control of your entire automated process is the core of Gamma's Magic Control 4.0 data management systems, with options like line management, offering deeper insight into productivity and consumption, or energy management, allowing you to monitor and save both energy and air consumption, or batch management, offering tracking of powder used to coat production batches. Gamma provides the very best in technology and connectivity for smarter factory automation. To learn more about Gamma's Magic Control 4.0 data management systems, visit completeitwithgamma.com. Connect it, control it, track it, synchronize it. Complete it with Gamma.
Hello, all you. Hell, hell, hello. <clears throat> hello, all you powder coating fans, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. Podcast. Hello, all you powder coating fans, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. Podcast. Also, this is episode 22B. No, it's 23. The last episode was 21. I made an episode 22. This is 23. I know it's 23. I, I, I realize that. We're going to go 21 and then 23, and then people are going to go, where's 22? And then we'll, we'll give them access to it. Release the lost episode? Exactly. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about that at the end, actually. But... Oh, sorry. I... Made it at the beginning. It's not a joke. I think we should do 21 and 23. Okay. And then people will say, where's 22? And it's like, it's running down your leg. No, that's a ABC alphabet joke when you're in third grade, not sixth grade. <laughs> a pretty funny joke. I, what? I had to explain it to you. <clears throat> I, did, I missed something. No. Why was six afraid of seven? <laughs> Because <clears throat> seven, eight, nine. We're good at jokes. We're gonna we're gonna try this again. Man, these outtakes are gonna be happening. Hello, all you powder coating fans, and welcome to the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. I'm your host today, Nick Page, aka Nick Page Exclamation.